Brother Gravely, I believe there's somebody here tonight that needs to stand up and testify that doesn't feel like standing up and testifying. Specifically, somebody tonight that you're probably more than one person. You're going through something right now and you're mad at God and mad at life and mad at everything and you just need to stand up and thank the Lord for His blessings and how good He's been. And I'm not trying to pick on anybody. I'm just telling you, there's somebody here like that tonight. I can see it on your face. Amen. You're bitter about something. Amen. And that's going to eat you up. Yeah. It will destroy your life. That seed of bitterness gets in there. You say, how do you know that, Brother Wesley? Because it's happened to me. Right. More than once it's happened to me. And that thing will fester and get infected and spread like a cancer. <clears throat> and it won't just hurt you, it'll hurt everybody around you. It'll hurt your family, it'll hurt your friends. And it may not even be, you know, whatever caused it may not be your fault. And that don't matter. That really don't matter at the end of the day. What matters is getting that thing took care of, opening that wound up. Pouring that, pouring that Holy Ghost medicine on it Amen. and letting God just get in there That's and work right. that thing out. Yes. And when he does that, and I'll tell you this from experience too, when he does that, when you let him do that, it's, it's amazing at the grace of God that just moves in there and makes those relationships a hundred times better than they were before. Love of God just gets in there. The grace of God, mercy of God, he, he works that thing for His honor and His glory. Yeah. I've seen it. I've seen it so many times I can't even count it. That's right. He'll do that with you tonight if you'll let Him. Gravely, I don't go ahead, brother. I'm sorry. <clears throat> Amen. Amen. Preacher, I don't know. Um, I remember Brother Thane years ago, he used to say, I'm just going to read. I'm just going to read my notes. You remember that? I may just read my notes tonight. Um, but I mean, this, this is, I told, I told you to start tonight that I had a message I thought I, thought I wanted to preach, thought God wanted to preach. Knew beyond a shadow of a doubt yesterday it wasn't God's will. Been working on that thing for weeks. And then today God kind of began to work this into my heart a little bit. And I mean, it is the theme of the service tonight. I lie not to you. It is exactly what everything that's been said goes right along with it. And then just anecdotal things. Brother, you stood up and said, Hand in hand with Jesus. Hand in hand with Jesus was the first song I ever heard played on the piano. I remember when I was a kid, my mom playing it. Just things God. I'm going to tell you something else too. You better not. Brother Gravely said it earlier about that he's learned and we have too. I've learned that no matter where you go, no matter what the atmosphere is, I'm just going to I'm just going to have a time anyway. I'm just going to worship God, go with God. 
Let God, He's the reason I'm here. He's the reason you ought to be here, not for anybody else. And I know we ought to love each other and have good fellowship and all that, but if you don't get that mindset, you'll go crazy. <clears throat> but I'll say this, thank God when He shows up in the presence of His people. Amen. Thank God. You ought not to ever take that for granted. You travel as much as we do. You travel as much as your pastor does. You'll learn to not ever, ever take that for granted. When he shows up and settles in, and you know, and I'm not talking about necessarily running, jumping the aisles and spitting and slobbering all up, but I'm talking about when he settles in, you feel the presence of God. That's worth more than all the money in the world. And thank God my kids get to see it. Thank God my family gets to see it. Thank God I get to experience it. And it's, it's, it's tonight. It's happened tonight. And thank God for it. Thank God for the presence of God. But uh, if you want, I, I, it's, it's 8 o'clock now. I'm going to hurry as fast as I can. I'm just going to read this. I want, you to, I want you to write these things down. And God gave me these things um, several years ago over time. This was not something that one night I just, you know, a lot of us, uh, a lot of preachers would get a thought and the Lord would just give it to you. It's like a songwriter. You'll get a thought for a song. The Lord will just give you the words right there. Sometimes God kind of builds it and, and develops it and works it into your life. And I, I'll be honest with you, I like those kind more than anything. Those are the kind to me that, that God just, it sticks with you. It's, it's like, it's, like a, it's that meat that sticks on your bones. And uh, going through... This has probably been, I don't know, probably been 10 years ago now that, uh, that just from every angle, Brother Gravely, I'm just being honest, from every angle possible, spiritual, emotional, physical, financial, you name it, it was just all coming in at one time. And uh, the, read my Bible one day, read this chapter, and God began to work the thoughts of this message into my heart and changed my life. I mean changed my life with this passage of Scripture. And it's nothing. It's not rocket science. It's just it's simple stuff. I'm not one of those. I wish I could preach like Brother Bo Wagner. Somebody say amen right there and find all those little nuggets that just never thought. But thank God. Thank God the Word of God is just simple and straightforward. You just apply it and it'll work. It's just, you know what it is? It's a recipe. That's exactly what it is. This is the great recipe book. If you just follow the recipe, God just works everything out to His honor and His glory. So I, I, I preach this message. I've, I've titled it about 15 different things. And tonight, this is what I'm going to call it. Paul's Recipe for Peace. Amen. Paul's Recipe for Peace. I want you to look at Philippians chapter number 4, verse number 1. I'm going to read this very fast. And I just want you to write these things down. I'm going to go as fast as I can. Will you stay with me for just a few minutes? Is everybody good? Right. If you need to leave, you leave. I, I totally understand. And I want to respect the time. But I do feel like God wants me to, 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 to say this tonight. Number uh, Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 1. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, my long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. So I beseech Yodis, beseech Sintite, they be of the same mind in the Lord, and I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored me in the gospel with commend also other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. And Paul said, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Yes. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God. And Paul said, In the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. 
He said, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. And those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. The God of peace shall be with you. Lord, bless the reading of Scripture. Lord, help this be a help to somebody tonight like it was to me. I pray in Jesus' name. Get me out of the way, Lord. Use me for your honor and glory. Thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul's recipe for peace. I want you to look at five, six things right here. And again, God gave me this very dark time in my life. Now, I want you to notice by, by way of introduction, real quickly, and this, this goes without saying, I know this is, the, this is probably the cream of the crop here tonight, right? It's a Wednesday night crowd. People that are here tonight are here because they want to be here. Amen? You're not here because Mama dragged you here on Sunday morning. You're not here because it's the Lord's day and you've got to go to church. You're here because you want to be here. I think that's probably the case for most people here. So you know these things without me saying it, but just quickly, let's talk about peace and what, what, what brings peace in our lives. Number one, what does, or more specifically, what will not bring peace in your life. Number one, you will not find peace in possession. Somebody say amen right there. Those of us who have been saved any length of time can testify to that. Most of us, now some of us, we were saved at a young age and we haven't been out in the world and experienced a lot of what the devil and the flesh and the world has to offer. Make no mistake though, we fight, we fight the same battles you do each and every day. Some of them, it's more, even harder because we've been raised in church and we know what's right and the battle of the devil attacks us in ways a lot harder than he does other people. But we all know if you've been saved any length of time that you're not going to find peace Joy, satisfaction, and possessions. That's right. the, the most wealthy men that have ever lived. You just I don't have time to go in them all, but I've got a list a mile long. Died miserable, horrible, sad deaths and had more than money could ever buy, more money than they'd ever spend. You will not find peace and joy and satisfaction in possessions. You might as well quit looking. It's not going to happen. Anybody that's been saved testified to that. You won't find it in people. You won't find peace in a person apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. Doesn't mean you can't have uh, meaningful relationships. Doesn't mean you can't enjoy life and the relationships God gives you. But at the end of the day, the only one that's truly going to give you peace and satisfaction is Him. You're not going to find it in a person apart from Him. Hollywood proves that, right? They, every time you turn around, they're getting divorced and remarried, divorced and remarried, divorced and remarried. And they've got, they've got their pick of the crop, right? And yet they can't find peace and satisfaction in a person. You won't either. You won't find it in possession. You won't find it in a person. And you won't find it in power, right? You're not going to find peace in power. No amount of power. The most powerful men that have ever lived on planet Earth. Hitler, Stalin, Mussolini. You know, the list is a mile long. Died miserable, meaningless deaths that nobody cared about them, had nobody with them, and their life literally meant nothing at the end of the road of life. Power and possessions and people will not bring you true peace. Everybody agree with that tonight? Raise your hand. If you don't agree with that, you're just wrong. And you'll find out the hard way. You will not find peace in any of those things. How to have true peace? Word of God's got a simple formula. And I believe this applies to, to this chapter here. Paul's writing to the church of Philippi. He's writing to save people. So I'm going to preach to save people tonight. But I want to say this. Please don't, please don't bypass this by way of introduction. If you're here lost tonight, 
You will not find peace apart from the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And none of what I'm going to say tonight is going to mean a hill of beans to you until you realize that you are lost and on your way to hell. And that feeling on the inside of you, that dissatisfaction, that lack of peace, that lack of satisfaction, that, that, that discomfort, that lack of joy, it's never ever going to go away until you give your heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Never, ever. In fact, it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse until either you die and go to hell or you reach a point to where God does not deal with you anymore and you can reach that point. That's a sad place to be. God help you. If you're here tonight and you've, you've constantly rejected, if you've heard the God, and boy, I tell you what, if you've been in this church any length of time, I guarantee you've heard the gospel preached more times than you can count. My church, I think about some young people there through the years that they, they were there every service, never got saved, now they're out of church. I don't know if they've reached that point in their life, but I'm afraid some of them have. Probably never, ever get saved. And if you keep rejecting the call of God on your life to salvation, you may very well get to that point. It's not something to be trivial about. It's not something to play games with. I'm not saying pick it green. I'm not saying come. If God's not drawing you, please don't misunderstand me. But if God's dealing with your heart or has ever dealt with your heart, you better do business with God while you can. Time's short. But I want to specifically give you these things to the, to the saved crowd tonight. How to have peace, how to have true joy. I want you to write these down. I have these hanging in my cubicle at work, Brother Brian. I look at them every single day. Because this is something you have to think about every single day. In case you don't know, and I think a lot of times we as Christians have this mentality, we think that we just innately wake up every day and that everything's just going to go exactly as planned, and God's just going to take care of everything no matter what we do. or no matter That's not the way it works, in case you don't know. You read this chapter, again, you'll see that. Paul said, you have to do these things. You have to do them. I have to do them. So we have to apply the formula, and we have to be the ones to take the initiative, just like you do. When you get saved by the grace of God, He does the drawing. He does. He convicts you. But He is too much of a gentleman to force you to do something you don't want to do. And He won't force you to live right either. Somebody say amen right there. You have to decide that I'm going to live for Jesus. So if you want to have true peace, you're going to have to purpose in your heart. You're going to follow the recipe for it. Number one, look at verse number one. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown, Paul said, so stand fast in the Lord. Dearly beloved, the first step to true peace in the life of a Christian after you get saved by the grace of God, and I'm telling you this is step number one. If you bypass this, all the rest will crumble beneath your feet because you have to have a foundation. Somebody say amen right there. Stand fast in the Lord. You better learn to establish a foundation in your life. You say, what does that mean, Brother Wesley? It means exactly what it says. Stand fast in the Lord. In the Lord. Don't stand fast in what you hear. Don't stand fast in what Dr. Bottle Stopper says. Don't stand fast in what you hear at school. Don't stand fast. Listen, all those may be good things, but you better establish a foundation in your life that is between you and the Lord only. And until you do that, you're going to be inconsistent. You're going to fall constantly and fail constantly. You better establish a foundation that is established between you and in the Lord. Stand fast. Speaks of faithfulness, right? It speaks of consistency. 
I think about over there in Genesis 49. I don't want to spend too much time here, but if you turn over to Genesis chapter number 49 and read about Jacob and Esau, or Reuben rather, I'm sorry, Jacob and Reuben. Uh, verse number 3, Reuben, thou art my firstborn, my might, the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity, the excellency of power. But he said, unstable as water, thou shalt not excel, because I went into the house of the father's bed, defilest it, he went up to my couch. Listen, Reuben is the epitome of what Paul is saying we should not be right here, right? If you study these verses, you'll find that you can have all these things. Look, you can have seniority. You can be the firstborn, right? Verse 3 and 8. You can be, you can be a senior, have a senior position in the church. You could have strength, the second part of verse 3. You could even start right, Brother Gravely. Look at 3 and verse C. He said, excellent beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity, and the excellency of power. You could be uh, the excellency of dignity, the, the solemnity, ver- the, three and, uh, the last part of verse 3. You could even have a good spirit, a fiery spirit. Verse 3 in the last part, excellency of power. All these things, that's what this verse signifies. But you could still be unstable and not have a solid foundation. I, I, I can't help but think, Brother Graham, and I see this a lot. There's a lot of preachers like this today. They got a lot of dignity. They got a lot of fire. They got a lot of power and speech and words and what they say. But every time you turn around, they're flip-flopping around and no consistency, unstable as water. They're they're modern-day Rubens, if you will. God ain't within 10 million miles of that. You better establish a foundation. If you don't, listen, at the end of the day, if you don't do that, you're setting yourself up for a fall. You're setting yourself up for hypocrisy. You're setting yourself up to let other people down. Establish a foundation, stand fast. That is number one. And then I think, last of all, it not only speaks of consistency and faithfulness and conviction, those are common, they're just obviously innate things at that word, but it speaks of a clear conscience. Yes. Yes. Do you know there's no substitute for being able to lay your head on your pillow at night with a clear conscience? Amen. No substitute for Listen, money, you cannot put a price tag on that. Being able to lay your head on your pillow at night and know that you, there's nothing between you and Him. You've established that foundation. He's established that foundation. And you're standing on the truths of the Word of God. And you know what you're standing upon. Speaks of a clear conscience. Why did Paul emphasize this so much? Because I think he knew that we as Christians, we'd be tempted to fall sometimes, right? We'd be tempted to leave our post sometimes. He knew that we'd regret it too, didn't he? Over and over again. You see this today. People falling by the wayside, giving up, throwing in the towel. I'll tell you one thing about them, though. I've never met a one of them, Brother Gravely, that was glad they did it. Not, not one single time. Anybody I've ever met that threw in the towel, any man of God that ever quit, any, any Christian that ever threw in the towel and quit, listen, every single one of them will tell you they wish they never did it. There's no substitute for a clear conscience. Paul knew we'd regret it. Paul knew we'd be tempted. And Paul knew that the best foundation for peace was a clear conscience. Make no mistake, some of us will never preach. Some of us will never sing. Some of us will never be missionaries. But every single person in this building tonight can take a stand. Amen? And stand fast. Therefore, my brethren, my beloved brethren, be you steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know your labor is not in vain in the Lord, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Number one, stand fast. Number two, look at verses two and three. I'm hurrying really quick. I beseech Yodius, beseech Sintite, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. 
And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored me in the gospel. I'll stop right there. Number two, you want to have peace? You want to have joy? We need to unify and work together. Now, I know that's not a popular topic today because we get, we get scared of that word unity. And, and for good reason sometimes. I don't like that, that, that ecumenicalism and all that stuff and everybody just anything goes and compromise all in the name of unity. Please, please do not misunderstand me. That is not what I'm saying at all. But sometimes we get so scared of those things that we get all stoved up and bitter and in, in our own little world and so set in our ways that we can't get along with anybody. And but one's just as bad as the other, in case you don't know. In fact, I would, ju- I would argue that the latter is worse than the former. I know some people who they may not dot all their I's and cross all their T's exactly like I do, and they may not have their standards exactly like up to my standards or Brother Gravity's, but they're sweet people. They're precious people. They love the Lord. They want to do God's will, and they may be struggling a little bit. But listen, I'd much rather hang out with that crowd than some, some guy that ain't got no time for anybody but himself, so bitter and angry, ain't never witnessed to nobody, ain't never led anybody to the Lord, comes to church and acts like he's mad at the world all the time ain't got no joy, no peace, no satisfaction you give me that first one over that second one any day of the week now you can call that compromise all you want and whatever you want to call it, I don't care but at the end of the day I believe that first one has a whole lot more potential than that second one we need to learn to unify and work together you look here in this passage you find out some very interesting things number one you find out that Paul did not take sides in the conflict. Amen. He said, I beseech Yodis and, be and sent out what? That they be of the same mind in the Lord. That's all he said. He didn't say, Yodis, you're wrong, and Sintak, you're right, and here's why. He just said, I want y'all to work this thing out and be of the same mind in the Lord. Why, why is that? Because we know Paul wasn't afraid to call things out. He called things out all the time if it needed to be called out. But whatever Yodis and Sintak were, were fighting about, it wasn't a big deal, make no mistake. Because if, if it had been, Paul would have called it out. What mattered though was that they be of the same mind of the Lord. It wasn't what they were fighting about. It mattered that they unified and worked together. That's what matters most. Christian, whatever you're fighting about tonight, if you're here tonight and that may be the cause of some of the... If you're fighting with somebody in this church, I don't care what it is. It is not worth it. And I don't care who's at fault. I don't care who's wrong. It does not matter. Go to that person. In fact, that's what the Bible teaches. If that if somebody did you wrong, you're to go to them and try to make that thing right. Don't wait for them to come to you. Right. Now, if you have did that and they won't do it, hey, listen, it's out of your hands. You just pray for them and move on. But more times than not, we won't take that step. You know that's right. I know that's right. I've been there. It's a hard thing to do. Unify. Work together. There's a lot of verses of Scripture to read. I'm not going to read them for sake of time. But if you, if you study, I mean, all through in the book of Philippians, read chapter 2 and verses 1 and 2. Read chapter 1 and verse 27. Stand fast in one spirit, Paul said. That goes right along with the first point. If you don't stand fast in one spirit, you're not going to stand fast at all. If, as a church, we have to stand together as the body of Christ. But Paul wasn't afraid to call names, was he? He just called them right out. He said, Yodis and Sintak, y'all need to get this thing straightened out. And to this day... Yodis and Sintak stand for women who can't get along with each other at church, right? <laughs> Ain't that funny? That's funny. I thought it was pretty funny. No, we, uh, us men, we're the same way. We, we, get, we have fights. all. We just, here's the thing. We, we actually fight about it. 
Women, y'all hold grudges. Y'all just y'all let it just fester for years and years and act like you love each other and you hate each other's guts. Us men, we get mad at each other and we just, we just get it over with, don't we, Brother Brian? We just duke it out. And get out. Listen, we all have that problem. Every single person in this building tonight has a problem with pride. Every single person in this building tonight has a problem with not liking what somebody else does all the time. It's going to happen. You're going to have that. But you need to rise above that and learn to unify and work together. Here's how you can do that real quick. I'm hurrying. I'm going to be real quick on these last ones. But number one, you need to learn to put others first. <laughs> right? Put other people first. Listen, if you start putting other people first, it's awful hard to hold a grudge against them. Right? When you just love on people, it's awful hard to be mad at somebody you're loving on. Amen? And if you'll just do that, start putting other people... You read verse 3, that's exactly what he's talking about. He says, I entreat thee also, true Yophilo, help those women which labor to me in the gospel. Listen, these women are over here duking it out. I want y'all to go help them. Amen? Just go over and tell them you love them and help them. Help them spread the gospel and the love that you're going to show them. Listen, God will just work all that thing out and everything will be all right in the long run. Listen, if you'll start putting other people first, God will help you. Number two, we need to learn to separate convictions from opinions. Somebody say amen right there. That's very important. Everybody's got an opinion. Your opinion may not be the same opinion as someone else, and your opinion may not be necessarily out of the Word of God. It may be just something that God has personally put into your life. But you better be careful when you start saying, listen, I believe this is what the Bible says. Be very careful when you do that. Because when you do that, I've already said it, you set yourself up so easy for hypocrisy and inconsistency. Be sure you know what thus saith the Lord when you say this is what I believe and this is what is right. Paul warns of that constantly in case you don't know. You read 1 Timothy 1, verses, verse number 4, 1 Timothy 6, 14, Titus 3, 8, and 9 is a great passage of Scripture where Paul's telling Titus, listen, avoid these vain and profane babblings and all this. Do good works, but avoid all this vain stuff that doesn't have any, any meat to it. It's good to read that whole chapter, by the way. Listen, if it's not important enough for God to specifically point out in the Word of God, it's probably not important enough important enough for us to focus on in our own lives. It's really that simple. Pick your battles, right? Listen, don't compromise. Please don't leave here tonight and say, Brother Wesley said we ought not to ever, ever stand for anything and ever say anything about it. You're misunderstanding what I'm saying. I'm saying we need to be careful about the battles we pick and we need to, we need to strive for unity instead of striving to be right all the time. Separate convictions from opinion. Be willing to ask forgiveness, right? Well, that's, I've already mentioned that, but the Bible says if we won't forgive each other, He won't forgive us. It's that simple. If we don't forgive each other, He will not forgive us. I don't believe if, if somebody comes to you and says, well, you forgive me, and you say, no, I won't, I don't believe your prayers will get past this roof. I don't believe God will hear a prayer you pray until you get that thing right. Be willing to ask forgiveness. Pray for the other person. Boy, there's a novel idea, isn't it? Instead of fighting about it, instead of running off of somebody else, why don't we just get down the altar and pray for them? I cannot even count the times that I've did that and God just worked something out. Without me having to say anything, do anything, God just works it out when we pray for that other person. The Bible says, pray for them which despitefully use you. Matthew chapter 4, 5. Then ask God to remove that bitterness from your heart. I already talked a little bit about that introduction. Hebrews 12, 14, 15, read that. Follow peace. With all men. Follow peace with all men. Didn't just say follow peace with the, the, the people of God. Didn't just say follow peace with your family members. Follow peace with 
all men and ho- uh, with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently lest any man fail the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, thereby many be defiled. What's that verse talking about? It's talking about holding grudges. That's what it's talking about. Follow peace with all men. Don't hold a grudge. We hold grudges with the best of them. Christians are the best at holding grudges. We love to hold grudges. We don't, we don't think we do. No, you, we, we, we wouldn't admit it for nothing in the world. But I, I mean, it's, I see it all the time. I'm, this, I'm that way. This, you th- remember what I said about God gave me this message? God gave me this message because this is what was wrong with Brother Wesley. Hold grudges with the best of them. And then recognize that unifying benefits, listen, unification of the church, unification of the people of God, when we love on each other, when there's unity in the house of God, that does more for our witness than anything on planet earth. And there's Bible for that. You read over John 13, 35, Jesus said, By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one to another. Very important preposition right there, that to. Not for another, to another. That speaks of action. That speaks of showing your love. Putting your love into action. We unify and work together. It does more for our witness to a lost and dying world than anything we'll ever say, any place we'll ever go if we'll just love on each other and unify and work together. How to have peace, how to have joy, stand fast, unify, work together. If we're doing that, if we're standing fast in unity, then we can do what Paul says next in verse number 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. It's the only repeated command in the chapter, Brother Brian. He says it twice. You've got to remember where Paul's at when he's writing this. Anybody know? Sitting in prison. He's sitting in prison with no hope to get out. Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And that's that's an explicit statement. There's no strings attached to it. Somebody say amen right there. There's no stipulations. He just said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I'm telling you tonight, there's somebody here. You need to stand up and say glory to God and hallelujah. I don't feel like doing this, but I'm going to do it anyway because He's worthy. He's worthy to be praised. And here's the thing. When you do that, it's kind of like having, it's kind of like having to have money to make money. you got to have joy to have joy. <laughs> Amen. When you just have joy, when you just decide, I'm going to rise above this thing because Jesus loves me and He's took care of me and He's faithful and I love Him and He saved my never-dying soul and even though I don't feel like it, no matter how bad the valley is, no matter how bad the struggle is, I'm just going to thank Him and praise Him anyway. I promise you tonight when you do that, He'll give you a Holy Ghost attitude adjustment and He'll put the joy of the Lord in your hearts when you rejoice. And rejoice again. Be thankful. We forget our blessings. We forget to be thankful, rather, when we forget when we forget our blessings. We forget to rejoice when we forget our blessings. Paul was on prison, on, was in prison on trial for his life, virtually no hope of release. Yet he said, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, rejoice. I say rejoice. I know it's cliche, I know we say things like this all the time, but make no mistake, it could always be worse. It could always be worse. I took five minutes. I'm closing quick here. I took five minutes, Brother Gravely, when the Lord gave me this, and I wrote down as many things as I could think of to be thankful for. Talking about going through a terrible trial. Talking about going through the valley of my life. And I took five minutes and I wrote down everything I could think of. Here's what I wrote down. Number one, I wrote, my sins are forgiven. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. There's anything to shout about is that you ain't going to have to pay for your sins. Amen. 
that, that alone's enough to take off down that aisle right there and run till the sun comes up in the morning. My sins are forgiven. I have a Savior who died on the cross for my sins. I wrote, I have a wife who loves me. And I wrote, and makes the best sweet tea. Amen. Good biscuits too. Amen. I have three beautiful, healthy daughters who sing for Jesus. That was just about the time they were little and we were just starting out singing in church a little bit. And I think we had just sang that week for the first time. And God, I wrote that down. I have so much family. Here's why I don't know why this came to my mind. I have so much family, Brother Gravely, and I know there's some people that can't say this, and I'm not being pleased. Don't be, I'm talking about what I have to be thinking. I have so much family that when Christmas and Thanksgiving roll around, we can't even figure out where we're going. We got so many grandpas and grandmas and great aunts and uncles and cousins and sisters and brothers. We can't, and we gripe and complain about that, Brother Gravely. We ought to be thanking God for the family and the friends He's put in our lives. I wrote, I have so many countless friends. I have a good church fellowship. I have the Word of God to guide me. Amen. I have the Holy Spirit to lead. I have good health. I have enough money to pay my bills. Somebody say amen right there. I wrote, listen, one of the things that was going on at this time, my dad had just faced quintuple bypass heart surgery, did not think he was going to make it. He came through it. He's alive today. If you saw him today, you wouldn't think anything ever happened to him. I wrote, my dad is alive. Amen. Refinanced my house. I wrote that down. Some of y'all don't think that's a big deal. You ever have to do it. It's a big deal. I was just talking about everything I think of. People who pray for me. And then I wrote the last thing right before my time, my clock timer went off. When I die, things get better, not worse. Amen. Listen, we have so much to be thankful for. No matter how bad it gets, no matter how dark it looks, no matter how bare the cabinets get, listen, we have to listen. There's so many people. It, it doesn't matter. Listen, we got so many friends and family that if we ever truly did have a valley that we were going through, why, they'd be beating down the door to help us, Brother Gravely. And the great majority of you in here tonight could testify the same thing. We don't have any problems. God's good to us. We should rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. When we forget our blessings, we forget to rejoice. Moving quickly, number four. Verse number 5, Paul said, Let your moderation be known unto all men. This is probably the least flashy of them, but it's in there. And that word moderation is the same word in the fruit of the spirits for gentleness. It's the same word over in the book of James chapter 3, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure than peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. Here's the sad fact. This is number, number 4, okay? Well, how to have peace, how to have joy, stand fast, unify, work together, rejoice, Rejoice always. And you know, I say rejoice number four. We need to be gentle. I didn't expect to get a lot of amens out of that. That's not flashy at all. That's not popular. That's probably something when you leave tonight, if you remember anything I said, that'll probably be the last thing you remember. But I would submit to you tonight, it ought to be one of the most important things that we remember. Paul said, let your, here's one of those very exclusive statements again. He said, let your moderation, let your gentleness be known to all men. Everybody you come in contact with. You know what that verse makes me want to do? That's what that verse makes me want to do. It makes me want to go crawl in a corner and hide and never come out again. Because I know, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt, Brother Gravely, when people think about Wesley Morrison, gentleness is the last thing on their mind. It's okay if you laugh. I know, it's the truth. And if, you, if some, there's some people in here, if you're being honest, you'd say the same thing. Amen, Brother Blake Foster. 
Listen, we, we live, people wonder why they're not happy, why they don't have no peace. Maybe it's just because we're mean as the devil. Maybe it's just because we ain't got any joy at all, I mean, any, any gentleness at all in our lives. Never, I mean, no moderation. I'll always got to be looking for a fight. Always got to be looking for a scuffle. Always got to be picking at something. Always got to be arguing about something all the time. Georgia and Tennessee, you know, we got to fight all the time. Never have peace if that's your life. If that's your life every day, and it's the life that you, that you portray when you encounter people, never going to be happy. Never going to have joy. Never going to have peace. You may be saved by the grace of God. You may be living as clean a life as, as anybody that's ever lived. You may dot all your T's and dot all your I's cross her T's. It does not matter if you've got a mean, bitter spirit about you. You'll never have peace and joy and satisfaction. Be gentle. So I asked these two questions. It said, let your moderation be known to all men. I asked this question. Would the people you know that you know best, would they consider you gentle? Would they consider that a characteristic that comes to mind when they think about you? And then more importantly, what about the people that don't know you very well? What about the people I work with? Is that, is that something they think about when they think about Wesley Morrison? I, I, I shudder to answer that. I'm hesitant to answer that. Be gentle. Verse number 5. And then uh, quickly, the last two things, verse number 6 and 7. This has been the theme tonight. Uh, uh, Sister, uh, I'm sorry, Sister, I'm drawing a blank on your name, Sister. Sister Melody quoted, uh, stood up and talked about praying and just praying and God answering prayer and this sister back here too. Verse 6 and 7, be careful for nothing. Paul, you know what Paul's saying right there? Don't worry about anything. That's That's exactly what that line means. Don't worry about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made unto God and the peace of God which passeth understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That song we sang tonight, worry ends where faith begins. That's exactly what those verses of Scripture are saying. If you can't reach a point in your life to where you're willing to let go of whatever it is in your life, you may, you may have all these first. It's a, listen, it's a process. Like I said, it's a recipe. If you're standing fast, working hard to unify, got a good spirit, shout and run the aisles and worship, and, and you're a gentle person, got a good spirit. I want to tell you, when I think about that word gentleness, by the way, your pastor is one of the first people that comes to my mind. I'm not saying that to build Brother Gravely up, but I'm just telling the truth. My wife would say the same thing. Always got a gentle spirit. Always got an humble spirit. But you may have all those things. But if you live a life of worry and constant fear and doubt and you never ever truly turn whatever that, that's causing that in your life over to Him, you're never going to have peace. And you have to do that. Sometimes, sometimes God does not take it away. Read the book of Job, Hello. Sometimes you just got to suffer through it. Sometimes you just got to go through that valley. And until you, if you, and if you don't, listen, I've seen it. We've seen it. Good people. I'm talking about good, godly people. I could name two off the top of my head right now that everybody in the building would know I'm talking about. That they did not do that. And it cost them their life. Drove them crazy. And you can get that way. You can be as saved as the Apostle Paul and get that way. I believe that with all my heart. You have to learn to let it go and just let God have it. And just pray about it. And here's the beautiful thing. And those of you that have been here will testify to this. When you truly do that, and I mean truly do that, He gives you peace. But you have to truly do it. You have to to say, Lord, it's yours. 
I am not going to let this defeat me anymore. I am not going to let this control me anymore. I'm just going to not worry about it anymore. I'm just going to give it to you. And the Bible says, Paul says, when you do this, be careful of nothing. Everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be granted. When you do this, the peace of God which passeth all understanding. You won't even be able to understand it. You'll think, how in the world? How in the world can I have peace right now with all that's going on around me? Let me tell you, I'm going through something right now in my life. That my, me and my wife both, there's some things in my life right now that if I told you, it would, you would think, how in the world could anybody be preaching something like this? When this is, I'm not talking about I'm not talking about life-threatening things. I'm talking about just kind of coming at us from all angles right now. But you know what? I just decided a long time ago when that happens, I'm just going to say, Lord, Thy will be done. Listen, I know there's a reason for it. We've already seen some of the purposes. We've already seen some of how God's worked. And if, if it had worked out the way we wanted, Brother, Brother Gravely, bad things would have happened. A whole lot worse than what's happening right now. God knows what He's doing. Just give it to Him. Trust in Him. Pray. Don't worry. That's the, that's the, that's the lesson here. It's really good advice. <laughs> it's really good advice. I, I, you know, we, we, we don't like to preach that message because that's the, that's the favorite message of Joel Osteen, right? But it's true. It's true in a sense. Don't worry. Just pray about it. The things we worry about, 40% never happen. 40% of it never happens. 30% are in the past. Can't do anything about the past. 12% are needless worries about health. 10% are about petty issues, outward appearance, superficial things. That leaves 8% are legitimate concerns. So there's scientific, there's science behind that statement that Paul said. Don't worry. Just trust God and He'll take care of it. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. And last of all, verse 8 and 9, Paul said, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report. I love that repetition there. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things and those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. You follow all these first steps that I gave. Stand fast, unify, work together, pray, don't worry, rejoice in the Lord, be gentle, work on your spirit. But if you inundate your mind with bad things, you're never going to have peace. It's a complete package. Every single, and, the, and, and Paul just encapsulates it so perfectly in that last verse. These things that you've read right here and seen and heard in me, do. Do them. Every day you wake up. It's like one of the other sisters that testifies. Every day she wakes up. You just have to purpose in your heart that you're just going to do right. Amen. That you're just going to follow the recipe. And you're just going to do what thus saith the Lord. You're going to take a stand on some things, come what may, hell or high water. You're going to do what thus saith the Lord. You're going to, you're going to work hard in every aspect of your life to unify. And it is a job sometimes, right? It's something we have to work at, every single one of us. But you're going to purpose in your heart and your life you're going to do it. You're going to purpose in your heart and your life that no matter what comes your way, you're going to rejoice in the Lord. Always and rejoice again. You're going to pray, not worry. You're going to work on your bitterness, work on your kindness, work on your moderation, be gentle. And then you're going to purpose in your heart and mind that you're going to inundate your heart and your mind with good things. Whatsoever things that are lovely, 
whatsoever things that are pure, whatsoever things that are just, etc., etc., etc. Those are the things. You won't get that if you surf in the web all day. Preaching to the choir. Preaching to the choir. Don't get mad at me. I'm preaching to me tonight. You won't get that if you're watching TV all day. You won't get that if you're listening to KZ 106 all day. It will not happen. You'll be a miserable, angry, unfulfilled, no peace, no joy. It will not happen. But if you'll get up in the morning and get your Bible out, you say, I can't read five chapters. Read one. Brother Gravely preached at our church a while back, and boy, he, brought, he preached this along these same lines, and I've said this for years and years, and it's 100% right. We're, we're, so, we're, such, we're so all or nothings, it's pathetic. We think we've got to read 20 chapters a day or we're not going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. If you can read 20 chapters, good for you. But if you can't, read one. You say, I can't pray two hours a day. Well, pray when you get in your car. I'm going to tell you one of my, you know where my prayer closet's at? My car. That's my prayer closet. And I'm going down the road, I'm praying. I'm, is, that's the time that I get with God, He gets with me. That don't mean I don't go in the bathroom sometimes, don't go in the closet. But listen, God will meet you anywhere. You can have a prayer closet anywhere. And I'm going to tell you, if you'll do that, if you'll read your Bible, if you'll study, you'll pray, just give God a little bit of your time every day and give Him a little bit more every day, it'll do wonders for your spiritual life. It's really that simple. Some of you tonight, you're doubting your salvation because you never read your Bible. You're doubting your salvation because you never pray. You're doubting your salvation because you never talk to your Heavenly Father. What kind of relationship is that? Well, I doubt, my, I doubt my marriage to my wife. I never talked to her. Never, never loved on her. Never had fellowship with her. My kids the same way. Never talked to them. Never, what kind of relationship would that be? What makes you think your relationship with Him is any different? Take time with Him. He'll give you peace. Give you joy. Give you fulfillment. Give you satisfaction. Everybody stand. Brother Gravity, you come on. I'm sorry I took so much time, brother. Close the service out how you see fit. I'm going to get in the altar. I do every time I preach this message. And uh, ask the Lord to forgive me. Because this, this is not something that Brother Gravely tell you he preached on, but being filled with the Spirit. Listen, you can be filled with the Spirit one day and not the next. You can have joy one day and not the next. We'll get in that altar and ask God to help me with these things every single day of my life. Thank you, Brother Gravely.